Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Proverbs, the Old Testament book of Proverbs, and Proverbs and chapter number four. Proverbs and chapter number four. This year, we're placing a great emphasis on wisdom. And the Bible speaks quite a bit about wisdom, about where it comes from, where its source is, and how important wisdom truly is. And we're thankful that once again, we can have an opportunity to go through the book of Proverbs and to be able to see another bit that speaks about wisdom, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom and learn to live it. And so if you would mind to take your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the book of Proverbs and chapter Number four, the book of Proverbs chapter number four, and notice with me starting at verse one, Proverbs chapter four and verse one, the Bible says this, hear ye children, the instruction of a father and attend to no knowledge for I give you good doctrine forsake ye not my law for I was my father's son tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shall not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction, and let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. And they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light and it shineth more and more unto the perfect day. And the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, 
Attend to my words, incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth." And perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Proverbs in chapter number four? Proverbs chapter number four, and notice with me in verse number seven where the Bible says, wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. And with the Lord's help, we want to explore wisdom in this passage here, understanding that wisdom is the principal thing. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you, Lord, we're asking that you would help us with wisdom, that you would provide your grace for us to understand, that you would help us to be able to comprehend and see the love of God in all of this. Help us that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. As for me, Lord, I recognize my own shortcomings and my own failings. And I come to you recognizing that I need you, that you would give me your grace, fill me with your spirit, that you could get your own work accomplished through your own means, just using me as a vessel, and that we could trust your word to do a work in someone's life today. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wisdom is the principal thing. If you don't mind, as we examine here, let's learn some more things about wisdom from this passage. The first thing I would like to bring to your attention is where wisdom is taught. Where wisdom is taught. Where do we get wisdom? Where does it come from? How do we start laying a foundation for someone to learn and to find wisdom? That's a good question. And the Bible answers that here in Proverbs chapter 4. In Proverbs chapter 4, notice this in verse 1. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. What we see here, where does instruction come from? The instruction of wisdom begins at home. It begins from the parents taking the time to teach their children wisdom. This proverb begins with a picture of Solomon taking his own son Rehoboam. And you can imagine here's young Rehoboam and Solomon maybe is taking him on his knee. Or maybe uh, Rehoboam starting to become a young teenager and Solomon is sitting him down and Solomon's sitting in a chair beside him and said, son, let me teach you about wisdom. In fact, over and over in this um, proverb, you're going to find where proverb, where Solomon divides this proverb out naturally by saying, son, listen to me. Son, let me give you some instruction. It has this idea that Solomon is looking at his son saying, I need to teach you something, boy. I need to teach you something about life. I need to give you something to survive. And Solomon is on purpose taking his own child, his own son, and said, let me teach you wisdom. This is where we understand where wisdom comes from. It begins with a parent instructing their child how to obey biblical authority. 
The child learns how to listen to biblical authority by listening to their first authority, which is their parents. And how the parents teach the child to listen to biblical authority is going to end up how that child listens to the authority of invisible authority or God. If the child is taught to obey the parent immediately, then the child will obey God immediately. If the parents teach the children to obey after beating them over the head after they haven't listened to the first 15 times, then that's how they're going to end up listening to God. We are teaching them how to respond to authority and how to respond to wisdom. When a child listens to the parents, then they will learn how to obey all the other biblical authorities. This is why a child needs to listen to their parent. Notice with me in verse 2. For I will give you good doctrine. I'm going to teach you good things. I am not purposely teaching you how to wreck your life. I'm teaching you good things. Notice this. Forsake ye not my law. Notice this. How is a child supposed to respond to biblical authority? As if the father is giving a law. My command should be law. And you don't break laws. You obey it as if it's a law. My commands are not a suggestion. My commands are not something, well, that sounds nice, a nice little thing to put on my wall. That my command should be law. Why? We are teaching them how to respond to biblical authority and how to respond to wisdom. And that if we say my word is law, then may I say that it needs to be law? You... Someone is going to be charge of the house. We understand that. Either the parent's going to be in charge or the kids are going to be in charge. How do you know the kids are in charge? When they don't listen to the law. When the law is acted as a suggestion. The parent has to say, this is the rule. This is what's it. Obey my law. Notice as it goes on in verse number three. For I was my father's son, tender, and notice this phrase, only beloved in the sight of my mother. Have you heard the expression, a face that only a mother can love? Well, there's something about a parent. A parent loves their kids like no one else. No one will love a child more than their parents. So therefore, it's the parent's responsibility because they love their child to teach their child what's right. Because I care for you, because you're only beloved in your mother's eye, because no one's going to care for us like you like your parents do, I need to teach you how to respond to biblical authority. I need to teach you how to respond to wisdom. It's my job because I love you to help correct your behavior. Notice in verse four, he taught me also. Who's this he? Now Solomon has taken Rehoboam and, Rehob and as he's talking to Rehoboam, Solomon says, he has taught me. What is he talking about? Listen, Rehoboam, my dad pulled me aside and taught me. And now I'm doing the same thing. I'm giving you the instructions at David. Now, did David know something about wisdom? Did David know something about walking with God? And so David tried to teach Solomon some things. Didn't Solomon start off right walking with God? Where did he learn it from? From his father. So David is told his, uh, Solomon, Solomon has Rehoboam and says, Solomon or Rehoboam, my father, your grandfather taught me things. And now I have the responsibility to teach you some things. And I'm trying to put this in your heart. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart reign into my words. 
keep my commandments and live. By the way, that should be a banner of every parent. Keep my commandments and live. We, we, we could say that facetiously, but it should be that idea. You know, have you ever heard a kid say, listen, man, if I did that, my mama would kill me. Do they literally mean their parents are going to kill them? No, but what they have is they have a fear and respect to that biblical authority that they can't imagine disobeying that command. And so this is that idea. Keep my commandments and live. You keep my commandments and it's going to go well for you. And it will apply on the kid's side. Listen, if I imagine talking back to someone like that, I would, <laughs> I'd die. I heard someone once say there was only two ways to die in the 80s. Car accident or talking back to your parents. You know, <laughs> that idea that I can't imagine breaking that law. I can't imagine breaking what my parents told me. I, my mama would come back and, you know, most of you know that I say ma'am and that's kind of yes sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir. <laughs> People get aggravated with that in our world. And they'll look at me and say, why do you keep doing that? Well, first of all, military training. Second of all, I'm from the South and I don't care where my mom's at. If I didn't say yes, ma'am, she'd come somewhere and find me. I can't imagine not obeying that command. Now, do I really think my mom's going to play a plane ticket to go slap me in the back of the head? Probably not. But you understand there's a, there's a fear there. Obey my commandment and live. The idea that the parents should have such an authority because they're teaching their kids how to respond to authority, that the kids could not imagine breaking that law. Now, by the way, it takes work. I understand that. But that's the work that needs to be done. Why? Because wisdom is the principal thing. We're trying to teach our kids wisdom. And the only way they're going to respond to wisdom is if we teach them how to respond to biblical authority. Obey my commandments and live. Notice as it goes on in verse 5. It says, get wisdom and get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline thy words uh, from the words of my mouth. Notice over and over in this beginning part of this proverb, my law, my commandments, the words from my mouth. Where did children learn how to l obey wisdom? By learning how to obey biblical authority. That's the parent's job to teach the kids how to respond to biblical authority. Where does wisdom begin? By a child learning to obey their parents. That's why it is a huge responsibility for parents to raise up children. We're trying to raise them not just so they're pleasant, but so that way they can learn to apply wisdom. So they learn to listen to God. Verse 6. Forsake her not. Now notice once again we're having the personification of wisdom as a female figure. Forsake her, that's wisdom not, and she, wisdom, will preserve thee. As a child listens to a parent, they get wisdom. And as the child learns to get wisdom, they should treat wisdom as if it's precious. They'll learn to love wisdom they receive and return wisdom will preserve that child. Learn to love her and she will keep thee. So the parent teaches the child how to obey wisdom. Then the child receives wisdom and keeps him wisdom as if it's precious. And then wisdom is going to keep that child from being hurt. Keep him from going into destruction. Heading into oncoming traffic. Heading to a disaster. Keeping themselves from people that are going to hurt them. 
but they learn to obey their authority and then they'll learn to obey wisdom. Verse seven, wisdom is the principal thing. Once someone has wisdom, they have everything. Do you know wisdom will help us determine what friends we'll make? Why should that person be my friend? Wisdom tells me that. When the idea we encourage taking teenagers and talking about people in church, what do you mean? Will he make a good husband? Why or why not? Will she make a good wife? Why or why not? As you're walking in the mall, will that guy make a good husband? Why or why not? We're teaching them wisdom. We're teaching the discretion. And if they have wisdom, they will marry right. That's an important decision, isn't it? This idea that we're trying to treat them wisdom. Wisdom will determine business choices. Will I make wise business choices? Will I make foolish decision choices? Wisdom will determine how we bring up children. Do you know that when you're raising your kids, you're actually training your grandkids' parents? We have a responsibility. How do I want my grandkids to be raised? Well, then I raise my kids to raise my grandkids well. We're training wisdom. We're training this. Wisdom will determine everything. Wisdom will determine what we decide to believe and how we behave. Notice as it goes on in verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting. Notice that phrase, with all thy getting, get wisdom. That phrase, with all thy getting, carries the idea in this passage that everything that a person is trying to obtain and everything that person is trying to accomplish, please get wisdom with it. There are many people that say, you know what? I'm trying to get as much money. Good. If you're trying to get all as much money, also get wisdom. Hey, I'm trying to get uh, a good place in life. That's good. But try to get wisdom with all your things that you're trying to strive for. Don't leave wisdom out of your equation. Put wisdom into it. Wisdom is the principal thing. And when you're getting everything else, also get wisdom. Notice with me in verse 8. Exult her. And she will promote thee. She will bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace thee. Wisdom needs to be put on a pedestal. Not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom that comes from God. When God wisdom is put in a high exalted position where we're going to obey wisdom, then what's going to happen is that God, as we apply wisdom, is going to promote us. It's going to bring honor. It's going to give a better honor than what we try to do if we fought for it ourselves. Wisdom is the principal thing. Verse 9. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. Think about this. This ornament of grace. This carries the idea of a beauty and a dignity to those that have wisdom. There are some people that have wisdom. They carry themselves properly. There's a dignity to the way that they deal with others, how they walk and how they talk and how they work with people. It's not a puff upness. It's not a thing superior, but there's an inner beauty that comes out. We've all seen people that are very pretty on the inside, but they're ugly because of the inside. That people with discernment can say, I don't care how she looks on the outside. That is an ugly person. And then there are other people that may not have the beauty standards but they're gorgeous because of their wisdom and the grace and the dignity that they have in their life. That's what God is speaking about. That's more attractive than some outside facade which will fade away. But to have someone that will carry themselves with grace, that carries themselves with wisdom, that's always going to be attractive to people around us. 
have grace. Grace or wisdom is the principal thing. She, wisdom, shall give to thy head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. So we started off, where does wisdom come from? Now let's examine where wisdom leads. So if you have wisdom, where is it going to bring you? Where are you going to go for it? Notice in verse 10, once again, we have Solomon addressing his son. He says in verse 10, hear, O my son. So once again, we still have this picture. Rehoboam sitting there. Solomon is teaching him. Solomon, I'm your dad. Rehoboam, listen to me. Obey me. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You need wisdom. Wisdom's the principal thing. Obey what I tell you. I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you succeed. We also, by the way, know the end of the story. Rehoboam should have listened. But notice, if you don't mind, verse 10. Oh, hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be plenty. Solomon is pleading to get his son's attention. By the way, sometimes as a parent, you have to get your kid's attention. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't just assume they're listening to you. All teenagers have a filter. Yeah, yeah, I heard you. Doesn't mean they listen to you. You're supposed to hear with a purpose of in doing it. Don't just listen to words I say. I want you to listen to me. Verse 11. I have taught thee, Solomon have taught thee, Rehoboam, in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right paths. Solomon is now reviewing the education of his son. Solomon had taught his son wisdom. He says, I want to see you that you are walking the right way. It should be the statement of every parent that their kid's bad behavior was not taught at home. Do you know that the kids learn a lot from you by watching you? Do you know that kids can learn rebellion from their parents? Well, I didn't teach them a course on rebellion. Oh, they watched you all their life. When you rebel against your biblical authority, they learn how to obey authority. Stupid police, I can't believe. Stupid pastor, stupid president, stupid husband. You're teaching them rebellion. It should never be said that I learned rebellion by watching my parents. I learned bitterness by watching my parents. My parents didn't forgive anyone, so I learned not to forgive. They should not learn bad behavior from your example. You need to make sure that you are the character and the person you ought to be as you're teaching your children how to follow after wisdom. Solomon's reviewing, listen, you haven't learned your bad behavior from me. A little bit later, probably the case, but at this point, Solomon's the wisest man and he's trying to teach his son about wisdom. Notice it goes on in verse number 12. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shall not stumble. Now, when someone has wisdom, their path should not be straightened. Or this carries the idea of being hemmed in. Some people believe that if we follow the Bible, the Bible's a narrow book and it's a narrow path. And they're just keeping me hemmed in. Actually, the opposite's true. When we follow the Bible, we have a straight path. I, it doesn't matter how narrow things are if I could see where I'm going. But when we follow the world, it goes tipsy-turvy. And then there are obstacles in the way. And that ends up being more of a hindrance when I've got to get over obstacles and my path is blocked and whatnot than if I have a straight path with clear walls, clear borders. I'm not hemmed in. 
I have a lot of freedom because I don't have to worry about what's at the next turn. I have a straight, narrow path to follow rather than a path that winds around and has obstacles and stumbling blocks and, and borders and dead ends and all of that. That's going to be more of a hindrance. Notice again, if you don't mind, in verse number 12. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shall not stumble. You know, the one thing about having a straight path is that I could run without worrying about what I'm going to trip over. But if you have a circular path that you don't know where the cliffs are going to be at, don't know what speed bumps you have, well, you're not going to be able to travel as fast if you're going to be safe. Now, we know there's some people don't care about being safe, or they'll just go straight off the cliff foot on the accelerator. But the wonderful thing about God's path with it being straight and clear borders, and we can see there's nothing in the way, is that we can move faster in life than we ever could without God's guidance. Amen. Notice as it goes on in verse number 13. It says, take fast hold of instruction and let her not go. Keep her for she is thy life. Here wisdom protects the quality of life and the length of life. Those with wisdom will end up having the best life without a doubt. Those that apply their hearts to wisdom will have the best life. Verse 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. Verse 14 and 15 is speaking about that wisdom means to stay out of the path of the wicked. If you follow after wisdom, then you're not going to run into those wicked people in the middle of your path over and over. You can learn how to avoid them. You know how to stay away from them. They're not going to be following the path of wisdom, so they're not going to cross your path. Let's just make an example. If you are following after wisdom and you're going to the places that you're supposed to be, well, you're not going to end up in the bar and get in trouble. Does that make sense? That's just a clear illustration. You're not going to be at the same places where those goofballs are at. You're going to avoid those spots. Wisdom stays out of the path of the wicked. They can't get you in trouble if you're not next to them. Verse number 16. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. One of the extraordinary features of sin is that it compels the sinner involved to get someone else involved in their evil. No one likes to sin by themselves. They have to bring someone along with it. The idea here in verse number uh, 17 of the bread of wickedness and the wine of violence carries the idea of fellowship. It's a picture of communion that you hang out with them and being with them. You know, if you start hanging around evil people, you're going to end up getting involved in evil things. If you hang around foolish people, you're going to involved with foolish things. Well, if I'm following wisdom, then I'm not going to get involved with them. They can't entice me to sin. When sinners entice you, don't give in. Say no. Say no. Wisdom helps us to do that. Verse 18. But the path of the just is just is as the shining light that shineth more and more to the perfect day. The day of the wicked is his darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Remember, we cover this principle all the time in the, in our, in the scriptures. Light 
obeyed produces more light. Light disobeyed produces more darkness. We have this principle just restated again. That if I obey the light, God doesn't give me enough down the path to show me what's going on 10 years from now. He shows me the next step. And then the next step. And then the next step. When I follow after wisdom, he gives me the next step and the next step and the next step. Light obeyed produces more light. However, when I disobey witness, uh, wisdom, I start walking further away from the path and into more darkness. Light disobeyed produces more darkness. Over and over the Bible covers this principle. To try to get our attention, you just obey the next step and then the next step and the next step and God will give you the next step, give you the next light. God produces more light. So we had started off by saying where wisdom comes from. Wisdom comes from at home, the instruction home. We see that where wisdom leads. Wisdom is going to lead you on the right path, on the narrow way, and a path that you could run and not stumble. Whereas the path that foolishness takes away from wisdom is going to lead you topsy-turvy. It's going to bring you to obstacles. It's going to bring you to the place where you stumble. Notice again in verse number um, 19. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. If you can imagine waking up in your house in the middle of the night and you go down to go find something but didn't turn on lights and you step on a toy or a Lego, heaven forbid, not a Lego. Or you, you kick a chair or kick the cat or the cat jumps under you and you try to step as it's trying to get away. It's a big mess. All that's the picture of people who step in foolishness. That they get away, they get into darkness, they can't see where they're stumbled at, they don't see what they tripped over, they kick and break their toes over the furniture. All of those things apply. But with light produced, we have a clear path. It may have clear barriers, it may seem narrow, but we have a path that we can go down and don't have to worry about stumbling or falling or coming to a dead end. But the way of wickedness is going to be the wrong path. Which now brings us to one more thing. Where wisdom dwells. Where wisdom dwells. Where do we get wisdom? Notice again in verse 20, Solomon addresses his son. My son, attend to my words. Incline my ear to my sayings. Once again, he's pleading to get his son's attention. Please listen to me. This is important. Don't brain dump me. Don't turn me off. This is important. Listen to my instructions. I need to teach you these things. Verse 21. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. What is he talking about? My words. Let not my words depart from thine eyes. Let my words keep them in their heart. Obey what I say. I'm trying to help you. Where again, where does wisdom begin? It begins to instruction the parent. Where is it going to lead? On a plain path. But where does it dwell? Notice with me verse 22. For they, my words, are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. A constantly repeated theme through Proverbs is that both quality of life and length of life is enhanced to those paying attention to wisdom. This is going to be a constant thing. Now remember, this is a proverb. It's a thing of wisdom. We can apply that. On a normal case, if you're living the way that you should, will you get in less trouble? Absolutely. Will your life be less threatened? Absolutely. You know, if I decide I'm going to go drinking all the time and go driving, is there a chance that bad things are going to happen? Yes. Absolutely. If let's say that I don't die, but I hit someone else, will my quality of life be affected? Yes. Absolutely. That's just a case. That if I apply wisdom, I'm not going to be in those situations 
where my quality of life or my length of life can be affected if I just follow wisdom. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it my heart are the issues of life. If you've never highlighted this verse, would you please highlight this verse? Keep thy heart with all diligence. Where does wisdom dwell? Wisdom dwells in our heart. The heart is going to be the inner man and the source of our behavior. Our heart must be right if our life is to be right. Keep thy heart with all diligence. We understand that when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit who is God comes to dwell with inside of us. The Holy Spirit will give us direction. If our heart is right with God, our life will be heart with, right with God. So we're not just correcting people's behavior. We have to correct the inside of them. If the inside of them is right, then they will do what's right. Keep your heart with all diligence. Can someone go to church and their heart not be right? Can someone read their Bible and their heart not be right? Can someone go tell someone about the Lord and their heart not be right? Absolutely. It's not your actions as important as keeping your heart, your inner man right with God. Making sure your heart is right with God. Can someone preach a message and it be not right with God? Absolutely. We have to say, keep my heart. I need to be right with God. By the way, that was a lesson Solomon really needed to learn, to keep his heart right with God. And when he didn't keep his heart with, right with God, did it all fall apart? Didn't all of the issues of life come from that one thing of not keeping his heart right? Absolutely. We saw it collapse in him. We see it collapse in Rehoboam. But this is important. Keep your heart with all diligence. That word diligence is very important. It carries the idea of purposeful, watchful behavior. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to stay on this. I'm not going to let it slide. I'm going to keep this with all diligence, with all looking around, trying to make sure and guard and protect because there's things always trying to enter my heart that shouldn't be there. I'm going to keep my heart. That word keep carries with it the idea of guard, to protect, to put up barriers, to guard my heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it, my heart is all of the issues of life. Could we say that most of the things that we deal with is a heart issue? When I'm not right with my parents, is that a heart issue? When I'm not right with my boss, is that a heart issue? If I'm not right with my spouse, is that a heart issue? If I don't want to read my Bible, is that a heart issue? If I'm mad at at someone and have bitterness, is that a heart issue? Good. If I'm stingy with my money, is that a heart issue? You understand this is all a matter of the heart. If my heart's not right, it's going to affect every other area of my life. Keep your heart with all diligence. Verse 24. Put away those uh, from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. If we're going to protect wisdom, we must guard our mouths. You can't separate them. If you want to guard your heart, you have to guard your mouth. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. This mouth can get us in trouble. This mouth can disrupt a good life. Learn to guard your mouth if you're going to guard your heart. Notice verse 25. 
Let thine eyes. So we talked about our mouth. Verse 25, let thine eyes look right on and thy eyelids look straight before thee. If we're going to protect the wisdom in our hearts, we have to guard where our eyes look at. A good deal of temptation comes through our eyes. Our flesh gains control of our life by our eye gate. So if we're going to protect and guard our heart, aren't you glad that the Bible's being practical? We watch our lips. We watch what our mouth is. If we want to guard the wisdom in our hearts, we have to guard our eyes. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above. You understand, we have to guard our eyes. So much trouble we get into comes because of things that we were watching, things that we were seeing, things that we were looking at. As we gave earlier, that greasy cheeseburger, Whopper, flame-boiled commercial, we look at it, and now our heart's disrupted, correct? Maybe it's not the Whopper that entices you. Maybe it's the, the golden shrimp over at Golden Corral. Everybody's hungry now. Or that pizza that comes, oh, you know what your eye gate, maybe it's the chocolate ice cream with extra fudge. You know, everybody's like really hungry. Good. Go on. I only have another hour to go. It's fine. So <laughs> we have to watch our eye gate. Our eye gate is the one that makes us unsatisfied with the things that are going on. If we're going to protect our hearts and keep wisdom in there, if we're going to guard our hearts with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life, we have to guard our mouth. We have to guard our eyes. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 26. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. If we're going to protect wisdom in our life, we don't only have to protect where our eyes are at, we also have to protect where we are going. Ponder the path of thy feet. Where are you going? You know, there are certain places that you can go that could disrupt the wisdom in your heart. Stay away from those places. Turn not to the right hand toward the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Just don't go to the places that you should not go. Listen, if you have a hard time looking at ladies, don't go to the uh, magazine rack at the store. Right? So maybe you don't have an issue with that. But there are some times that you have to walk like this. Don't go to those places. Say, well, I have a hard time lusting after ladies. Then don't go to the beach. Don't go to certain places if you have to. If someone has an issue with alcohol, don't go walking next to the bar. Go somewhere else. Go a different way. Find a different path. Man, if ladies, you're tempted to go to the chocolate shop and you can't, don't go near the chocolate shop. Watch where you go. Don't put yourself in a place where you could be. By the way, if we were to be honest, when our flesh is up there, we want to go to those places. Oh, I'm really tempted to play Facebook today. I'm going to go to my phone and I won't look at Facebook, but I'll open up a different window. Oh, well, I've been here long enough. Maybe I should open up this other. You understand? You, we put ourselves in those positions. Oh, I'm trying to watch what I'm watching, so maybe don't turn on the TV. Oh, I'm just going to watch the weather. It doesn't take long for us to find something else. Don't go to those places. Avoid them. That's applying to our hearts to wisdom if we're going to guard our hearts. Guard our mouth, guard our eyes, guard our paths. 
All of it is part of guarding our heart. Where does wisdom dwell? Wisdom should be put in our hearts and kept there. And once it's there, we need to guard it and protect it by our protecting our mouth, protecting our eyes, protecting where we go, guarding our hearts. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are all the issues of life. If I have a problem with where I'm going, I'm going to have it end up having a problem with the relationships around me. Apply our hearts to wisdom. So where does wisdom begin? It begins with instruction at home, learning how to obey biblical authority. Where does wisdom lead? Wisdom is going to lead us on a plain path that is clear, unobstructed, that we can go clearly at a good speed. Where does wisdom dwell? It dwells within my heart. If it's been placed there and if it's been placed there, I have every responsibility to guard it by guarding my mouth, by guarding my eyes and guarding my path. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Wisdom is the principal thing. So let me ask you, are you therefore getting wisdom? Is wisdom with the thing that you're going for? and guarding, do you live your life to wisdom? If you were to say, my path seems always obstructed, may I ask, are you living your life according to wisdom? My life seemed topsy-turvy and I'm always turning. Are you living your life to wisdom? Are you guarding your mouth? Are you guarding your eyes? Are you guarding your heart? Are you applying your hearts to wisdom? Wisdom is the principal thing. Are you living a life according to wisdom? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.